That song that we just sang, I've witnessed it. I, I love singing that song. I've loved it since we heard it at Passion. And, you know, I was just over in the corner, and, and to be honest, it was emotional just listening to you guys sing that song. It's such a beautiful reminder. It's such a beautiful encouragement of, of God's faithfulness. Those, the lyrics to that chorus that, that read, maybe, there we go, that read, I've witnessed your faithfulness, God. I've seen you breathe life within. So I'll pour out my praise again. You're worthy. God, you're worthy of all of it. I mean, those words, they're so beautiful, aren't they? They're so true. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know what Bible verse or verses they used when, when they wrote this song, but, but I can't help but think about Isaiah. Every time I sing the lyrics of this song, I think about the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. Prophet, if you don't know what that means, prophet's just another way of saying spokesperson. And so in the Bible, a prophet is a spokesperson for God. And so Isaiah is a prophet. He's a spokesperson for God. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1. I actually, side note, heard that this was the Bible verse of the day today, so that's cool. Lord, you are my God, Isaiah says. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. That sounds a lot like that song, doesn't it? God, God, you are my God. You are worthy. God, we'll praise you. We'll exalt you. We're, we'll praise your name. We've, we've witnessed your faithfulness. What does it mean that someone or something is faithful? More specifically, when we say that, that, that we praise God for his faithfulness, what does it mean that God is faithful? Well, it means that he's devoted. It means that he's dedicated. It means that he's committed. It means that he's loyal. It means that he's trustworthy. It means that he's reliable. Reliable to what? Following through on all of his promises. That's why God says that, that Isaiah, or, or, or that's why Isaiah says that God is perfect in his faithfulness. In perfect faithfulness, Isaiah says. And here's the thing, it's not just in Isaiah's life, it's in your life too. Because though the Bible wasn't written to you, it was written for you. And what that means is that the same perfect, faithful God in Isaiah's life, thousands of years later, is the same perfect, faithful God in your life. Perfect in his faithfulness. Perfectly faithful to, to do what? To bring us to himself. Perfectly faithful to bring life out of death. Perfectly faithful to forgive us when we mess up and fail. Perfectly faithful to be present with us. Perfectly faithful to give us a place to belong. Perfectly faithful to nourish us. Perfectly faithful to satisfy us. Per perfectly faithful to strengthen us, to grow us, to persevere us as we grow in our relationship with him. See, that's what God has promised he would do, and that's what God has done. He's done wonderful things. God has done wonderful things. You know, yesterday morning, uh, Monday mornings, we have our, our Veritas staff meeting. And yesterday morning in particular, it's one of my favorite staff meetings, I think, that, that we've done, certainly this year, this semester, uh, maybe ever. 
And the reason is because we kind of scrapped what we were planning to do, a book discussion about a book that we'd been reading together, and we decided instead, let's just spend time together. And so that's what we did. We spent about two hours. And you know what we did? We just shared stories. Story after story after story of the incredible ways that we've seen God at work in our lives and God at work in your lives. I mean, incredible stories. Some of those stories were stories of of God providing this year. God providing the right people at the right time. God providing, it seems like, volunteers. We had specific needs and God brought people at just the right time. God provided a space to gather each week. We don't take it for granted that we've got a space like this to come together, to gather, to ask questions, to worship, to connect. Others of those stories were stories of of healing, stories of, of students, you, starting to experience real healing for the first time, starting to experience real healing from deep hurt and deep pain. Others were stories, encouraging stories of of you finding rest, peace from your anxiety. Some said conversations that they've been having, people said that this was the first time in a long time that they felt like things were going to be okay. The first time in a long time. That's incredible. So many of the stories that we were sharing were, were stories about belonging, you feeling like this is a place that you belong. New students feeling welcomed, old students getting out of their comfort zone to invite a friend or invite someone new or meet someone new, people coming out of isolation to live in community with other people, stories of of students, you planning to transfer but, but deciding to stay because of all the things that God is doing in your life. There were stories of people having never stepped foot, get this, people never having stepped foot in a church until they came to Veritas. And this wasn't just a place that they came. This wasn't just a place that they stepped into. They said after a while, this became not just a place, it became home. We have students who, maybe you're here tonight, you don't know what you think about God. You don't even know if you believe in God, but you've told us, I keep coming back, and we ask, why? Why come? And the response that we get over and over is because there's something different here. I feel something different when I'm in this place. People telling us over and over, I've never experienced God like I have when I come here. So many of the stories are stories of change. Your lives being changed. People finding their way back to Jesus after running from him for so long. People turning their tarot cards into prayer cards. People having deep growth in small group. Stories of people repenting of sin and sinful patterns and habits. People who are mad at God, didn't understand what God is doing, but starting to see a little more clearly. People whose lives have forever been changed. Someone recently said to me, Kyle, I'll never be the same. Now, I could go on and on, and I want to, but we just don't have the time. I think you get the point, though. That God in his perfect faithfulness, he's done 
wonderful things this year. But here's a question. Is that just an accident? Is it just a coincidence that all of those things and plenty more, is it just a coincidence that they happen? Is it just an accident? Is it surprising to God? I'm not according to the Bible. I'm not according to Isaiah because he said these things were planned when? Long ago. Long ago. See, what that means is that God has always known that all of those things would be true. Before the foundations of the world, God knew that tonight we would share the stories that we're sharing of his faithfulness in our lives. That's incredible, isn't it? How many of you think back to August, first Tuesday night of the semester, Traditions Plaza? How many of you were there? Show of hands. Love it. I love it. You probably don't remember this, but the very last thing that I said that night was this. I said, I don't know what brought you here tonight, but I do know this. It wasn't an accident. Jesus wants you here. Because Jesus wants you to know that whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, the life you were created for is found in him. See, it was true back then in August. And it's true right now in May. I don't know why you're here tonight. I saw some faces walking in that I haven't seen in a long time. I love it. I love it. I don't know why you're here tonight. I don't know your doubts. I don't know all of your doubts. I don't know all of your questions. I don't know all of your struggles. I don't know all the ways that God is at work in your life, the ways that you see and the ways that you don't see. But I do know this, that you being here tonight is not an accident. It's not coincidence. It's not surprising to God. No, God brought you here. Jesus wants you here. Because he wants you to know that he's perfectly faithful. Jesus is perfectly faithful to follow through on all of the promises that he has for your life. See, his promises, we sang it. They never fail. God, he's worthy. He's good. We've witnessed it. And guess what? We'll continue to witness it. Psalm 115 verse 1 says this. It says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Not to, not to us, not to me, not to you, but to God. Not to my name, but to your name, God, be the glory. See, all of what we're talking about tonight, it's not about us, it's about God. It's about what God is doing. It's not about our faithfulness, it's about God's faithfulness to us. And so it's right to praise him. It's right to celebrate. It's right to be thankful. It's right to reflect on all the ways that God is faithful in our lives. And so that's what we're going to do just for the next few minutes. I don't know about you, but this time of the year, it always seems like things get in the way. It's hard for me to slow down. It's hard for me to stop. It's hard for me to pause and just be still. And so we're going to give you just a couple minutes You've got a couple cards in front of you. One of those cards says, I've witnessed it. And I want you to just, for the next couple minutes, I want you to just reflect on this question. How have you witnessed God's faithfulness in your life this year? How have, how have you seen God at work 
in your life this year? What have you seen him do? What have you heard him do? What have you experienced God do? Maybe you aren't sure. Just sit there for a moment. Ask God to reveal. What is he doing? Maybe you didn't see it, but now it's starting to become more clear. Maybe you still aren't sure. That's okay. Just tell him. Just spend a couple minutes right now, just you and God. Write that down. How have you seen God faithful in your life this year? I don't know about you, but I'm always encouraged when I hear stories of God's faithfulness in other people's lives. Of course, it's encouraging to see his faithfulness in my life, but it's encouraging even more when I get to see and hear the ways that God is faithful in others' lives. So we're going to do something a little bit different. We don't normally do this, but I want you just to spend some time. I don't know if you know the people sitting around you or not. If you don't, I want you to introduce yourself. Put, go out there, right? And I want you to just share with each other. You can stand up if you want. You can walk around. I don't care what you do. But I want you to share. What did you write? Share with each other. What did you see God do in your life this year? Take a second and do that now. Okay, I'm going to cut you off because you will keep talking forever. And so I want to bring it back. And here's what I want to say. I didn't get to hear any of that. And so I'm going to selfishly ask you that when you leave tonight, you take those cards and you go pin them out on that white banner out in the foyer. And I know you got to talk to a few people around you, but, but I encourage you, stick around after, if not for the dance party and the balloon drop and some of the other things out there, to read those cards, to be encouraged by all the things that God is doing. Let me pray for us. Jesus, it's overwhelming to, to think about all of the things that you've done in our lives this year. Too many to name, too many to count. And yet, here we are, thankful. Thankful for the work that you've begun in us, thankful for the work that you're doing, thankful for the work that you'll continue to do. God, help us to have humble hearts that respond to your faithfulness with gratitude. It's in your name we pray. I wasn't even supposed to go, like for real. One of the speakers that night, I think it was the first speaker, it was like Christine Kane. And I think the thing that stuck with me the most is just when she talked about, like there shouldn't be anything you wanna do in life without having the presence of God there with you. Then after that, I just remember we continued worshiping and we like slowed it down and we sang the song, Fall Like Rain. It was just in that moment when we were singing that song, like. I just felt the presence of God like fall on me. And it was just like this huge release of weight off my shoulders. Like I just felt different afterwards, after that first night. In that moment, I just knew like it was time for me to finally be like, all right, I'm all in on God. Like I've seen him work in my life in just like not even 24 hours. This is the person 
that I want to be for the rest of my life. The feelings that I am experiencing, I want those to carry on with me the rest of my life. And I just knew, again, that was God. And I was like, I want this feeling of God in my life 24-7, 365 days. Like, and so that's when I stood up and really just like gave my life fully up to God. I, I'm making the change for good and I'm not going back. I was involved in a small group, involved in Veritas. Um, other than that, I wasn't really like super um, committed to it. I like saw the people in my small group that like went to Jamaica and that were like really involved within Veritas and I just like saw how differently they lived. So I originally signed up to go to Jamaica like right when it opened and then halfway between like fundraising and the actual day of leaving, I like kind of backed out of it. And then the day before they left, I got a call from Grace Andrews and she was like, hey, a spot just opened up. And I was like, really? <laughs> I went and it was like, like as soon as I got there, I just, my heart was just like changed in a way that I had never really thought would happen. I have more of a sense of like belonging and purpose now. And it's just like really cool to see how much one trip can change my entire life because like right before that trip I was just like self-isolating and I was like going through a really low like depressive episode in like time and like it was just so hard for me and I got to the point where I was like I don't even know if I would like want to be here you know and so it was just like so cool coming back and just feeling completely opposite of that and like I feel overjoyed with like God's love I just felt without a purpose. It was so bad to the point where I was like, like almost questioning whether any of it was real. What happened in Passion? Um, yeah, it changed my life. The atmosphere alone really just was like, this is what this is what you're getting yourself into. Um, and I was like, wow. I want to be a part of this. And it wasn't until Catherine Wolf got up there. She really had my attention from the start, but just her enthusiasm and her energy for God and life was just compelling. It was very, very moving. Right then and there, I was just like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. God, I'm all yours. I'm, I'm gonna turn my life around like this is it. I got like a lot more involved with Veritas, like started making new friends in Veritas. And then Alex decided to text me and say, hey, you should go to Jamaica with us. And I was like, well, all right. Just to think about like who I was before and who I am now, like even sitting here is just like, this is not at all where I thought I would be. These past couple months have probably been the best months of my life. You know, I've, I've witnessed it, but I think the more important thing is I will continue to witness it and I will never stop witnessing it. singing, God, your promises never fail. And because your promises never fail, I've got stories to tell. 
You know what the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left them was? After he died and after he rose and after he spent some time with them right before he ascended to heaven, what the very last thing that he said to them was? This is what he said, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The very last thing that Jesus says is witnesses. You will be, he says, my witnesses. Notice it's not a question. He doesn't ask them. He doesn't say, hey, do you guys want to you be my witnesses? When I'm gone, do you think that's something that you want to do? No, it's a statement, isn't it? You will be my witnesses. It's a statement, but it's not a simple statement. Because being a witness to Jesus, being a witness of Jesus, it's not easy. If you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you know that following Jesus, being a witness to him, it's not easy. Being a witness to Jesus means crossing geographic Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, geographic boundaries, ethnic boundaries. Being a witness to Jesus, well, sometimes it, being, it means being misunderstood, doesn't it? Being a witness to Jesus, it's going to cost you something. I don't know what it's going to cost you, but it's going to cost you something. It's going to require sacrifice. But make no mistake, Jesus is saying to them, and he's saying to us, to follow him is to be a witness to him. To follow Jesus is to tell the world about him. It's not optional. A couple of Jesus' friends that day, Peter and John, they, they took these words of Jesus. They took it to heart. And they went out. They said, okay, Jesus, wherever you want us to go, we'll tell everyone about you. And what happened to them? They're telling people about Jesus. And people didn't like it. And they were thrown into jail. And when they were in jail, they were warned, you've got to stop. Stop what? Stop telling people what you've seen. Stop telling people what you've heard. Stop telling people that Jesus really is who he said he is. Or else. Some of us are facing the or else in here. I don't know what it's going to cost you to be a witness to Jesus. But it will cost you. How did Jesus' friends respond that day? This is what we see in Acts chapter 4, verse 20. This is what they say, Peter and John. As for us, they say, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. See, in other words, what they're saying here is we've got stories to tell. We've got stories to tell. Jesus is good. Jesus is strong. Jesus is constant. Jesus heals. Jesus saves. Jesus loves. Jesus is faithful. And we're not going to stop telling people. We can't help it. We're not going to stop telling people. We're not going to stop telling our family. We're not going to stop telling our city. We're not going to stop telling our nation. We're not going to stop saying it. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is worthy. Jesus brings life. This is a picture 
of the Atacama, I think that's how you say it, desert in, in northern Chile. It's on the coast in northern Chile. And the thing about this desert in particular, I learned this recently. In a lot of ways, it looks like any other desert. But this particular desert, at least parts of it, driest place, non-polar desert in the world. This is one of the driest places on planet Earth. On average per year, it gets half an inch of rain at best. Certain parts of this desert are, are compared to the surface of Mars. They, they, they film Mars videos here. They do Mars TV shows here. They've done scientific research on the soil there because it apparently is similar to Mars. It's unbelievably dry. And yet what you don't see is that beneath the surface of the soil, you can't see it here, but underneath the soil are hundreds of thousands of seeds. Hundreds of, of thousands of, of flower seeds that, that have been lying dormant, sometimes for, for years, sometimes for decades. These seeds are able to lie dormant under the soil, can't see them. They're lying there. They're waiting just for the right moment, just in case enough rain falls that they can germinate and then bloom. It doesn't happen very often. It's pretty rare. Every five, maybe ten years, those conditions are just right. And back in 2017, more than expected rain fell, and the desert exploded with color. with color. I mean, this isn't a great photo, but it's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, this is one of the driest places in the world, exploding with life, exploding with color because of a little bit of rain. And see, I love this picture for a lot of reasons, not just because it's a, it's a beautiful picture of, of nature. No, I love this picture because I think it represents what happens when witnesses of Jesus do the hard work of witnessing about him. I think this is the kind of thing that happens when witnesses of Jesus witness about him, when we share our stories, when we tell other people, when we tell them what he's done, why he's faithful, how he's been good in our lives. When that happens, when we go and witness about Jesus, life comes out of dryness. I was reading recently in the Wall Street Journal. It's about Gen Z. You know, I find it interesting. I've been working with, with you guys for a long time. It's just, you know, I just love you guys so much. And, and I'm kind of getting tired of people talking about you and at you and not talking to you. I just love you guys so much. But this article, it, it was so encouraging for me. Because you know what it said? It's, it, it's, it cited some recent research that's being done. And it says that your generation, maybe more so now than it ever has been, is open to spirituality. But they, what it says is that, is that there is a surprising surge amongst 18 to 22, 25-year-olds with respect to being interested in faith. And I find that unbelievably encouraging, that more people in your generation are curious, 
more people in your generation want to know. That's not the story we always hear. I hear a lot, I read a lot that says your generation wants nothing to do with Jesus, and yet 400 of you are here tonight. See, if someone had asked me, nobody would, nobody cares, but if someone had asked me for that article, you know what I would have said? That's not what we see. We don't see the negative, we see the positive. We see more people than have ever come to Veritas at the end of the year here this year. More people. This is the first time, I think, in the history of Veritas, more people here at the end than when we started. Your generation. What that tells me, why that encourages me, because it lets me know that your generation is hungry. Your generation is thirsty for Jesus. And so I want you to hear me say this. The reason I share this story is because you have an unbelievable, unbelievable opportunity to be a part of what God is doing in thousands of college students' lives here in Columbia. You have an unbelievable, there are so many, tens of thousands of of college students in mid-Missouri who don't know and love Jesus. You have an unbelievable, this isn't just church people, it's not just staff, it's not just me, it's not just pastors. You have an unbelievable opportunity to be a witness, to bring death, out of death, life. You have an unbelievable opportunity to bring life out of a desert by telling people about him, by living lives that that point people to him. You see, it's not going to be easy. I'm not trying to pretend like being a witness to Jesus, about Jesus, I'm not trying to pretend that that is easy. It's not. But it's also not optional. God is calling us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Even if you don't have it figured out, hear me say this, even if you don't have it figured out, and by the way, none of us do, I don't. Even if you don't have it figured out, you've got a story to tell. You've got a story to tell about what God is doing in your life. And so go and tell them. Go and tell the stories. Maybe you hear that and you're like, let's go. You're excited. Maybe you hear that and you're unbelievably overwhelmed. Me? I can't possibly do that. There's there's too many people, too many things to say. I don't have all the right answers. That's okay. I can't do it all. No, you can't. And that's not the point. What if you thought about it like this? I, I heard a quote once that said, do for one what you wish that you could do for all. Do for one what you wish that you could do for all. And so what if you just started there? What if you just started by, by, by doing for one what you, what you wish that you could do for everyone? You go to one and say, hey, I've got a story to tell. And it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so I, here, here's what I want to do. You've got another card in front of you, or maybe at this point on the ground. Find it. And don't worry, you're not going to have to share this one with your neighbor. But I want you to take a minute or two, and I want you to sit there, and I want you to think. Think about this question. 
Who's someone in your life that you want to talk more about Jesus with? Who's someone in your life that God has maybe brought into your sphere of influence? If, If you don't know, maybe just sit there for a minute and just ask the Spirit to reveal someone to you. Who's someone in your life that that you could be more intentional with? Who's someone in your life that you could be a little more honest about why you do the things that you do with? Who's someone that you could tell the wonderful stories of God's faithfulness to you and to others? Who can you tell? Write that down. Write that person, maybe those people, if you've got more than one, write them down and maybe add a prayer. Maybe just spend some time writing a prayer. God, would you produce change in that person's life? God, would you do something incredible in these people's lives? Ask God for an opportunity. Ask the Spirit to give you strength, to give you courage, to give you power. Don't forget that Jesus promises to be with you. I know it's scary. I know it's overwhelming. But Jesus promises to be with you. You aren't alone. Spend some time doing that now. For some of you, the going part of going and tell, going and tell your story, in an odd kind of way, it really just means staying. Staying in your dorm, staying in your fraternity or sorority, staying in your apartment, staying in your job, staying in your university. You don't have to go very far at all. God has put all sorts of people in your lives to go and share and be a witness to all the things that God is doing in your life. But others of you, you're leaving us. This is always the sad part, yeah? Where are my seniors at? Stand. Yes. Stand. Yeah, that's right. We can clap them. Hey, I know you guys have been through a lot. COVID, all the things. I know it's been a long journey for you. And this is your last Tuesday night with us. And we've loved getting to know you. We've loved spending time around you. We've loved all the ways that you've been involved and all the things that we're doing. We're so encouraged by all the ways that God has used all of you. And when I say tonight that God is calling all of us to go and to share our stories to you all, that's to new places. New cities, new jobs, new routines, new friends, for most of you anyway. And I know that's scary, and I know maybe it's overwhelming, but it's also exciting. And you guys have a a really cool opportunity. You guys are the, the future of the church, man. Like, you get to go out, and not just the future, you guys are the church now. 
But you seniors, you're leaving, and wherever you're headed, you get to plug into churches, and you get to plug into small groups, and you get to plug into new communities, and you get to tell people about Jesus. And you get to live lives that point people to him. What a cool opportunity. And we always say around here that, look, our goal is not just to get you all following Jesus while you're in college. I want that, sure. But I want an email 30 years from now. You won't email, you'll text, or I don't know, snap, or whatever it'll be. Email, grandpa. (laughs) I want a message from you 30 years from now that says, gosh, I love Jesus. And my family loves Jesus. That's my hope and prayer for all of you. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you got the rest of you, look around, see all these seniors. If you're close enough to them, this always gets a little bit weird, but we're just going to do it, right? I encourage everybody stand up. We're going to pray for these guys and girls. And you can move around. Hugging's your thing. Make sure it's the other person's thing. That's fine. If you want to put an arm on someone, wouldn't it be cool if we just all linked up in here and just spent some time praying for them and for you, but especially for them. Find your people. I'm going to pray. Jesus, it's an unbelievable honor serve your people. And it's an unbelievable joy to get to live life alongside these students. And many of them are staying, but several of them are leaving. And that's sad. But it's also exciting. Because we know that you have a purpose for them. A purpose to make much of you. And so I pray that wherever these guys and girls are headed, whether it's around here or far away, God, that you would encourage them. That you would strengthen them. That you would draw near to them let them know that you will never leave them. Continue to remind them of the ways that you are perfectly faithful to your promises and the ways that they are being called into a story that is not about themselves, that is not about their career, that is not about their new apartments and their new cities and their new friends, but is a story It's a much bigger story. It's a much better story. It's a story about you. God, provide answers where there are questions, answers where there's doubt. Help them to find churches that love you and worship you and pull people into your story. Give them friendships. Give them community. Help them to find their people people that will walk with them, not just when it's easy, 
but when it's hard. God, we love them so much. Be with them. Be with everyone here. It's in your name we pray. Amen.